He was one of those civilized individuals who did not insist upon agreement with his political principles as a precondition for conversation or friendship. This is Mike Romai, and you're listening to the Live Mike Podcast on the Social Voice Project. In his own words, Special Counsel Robert Mueller said, If we determined that the president was innocent of any crime, we would say so. But we did not do that. Based on Department of Justice policy, we cannot indict a sitting president. Only Congress can do that. So we made no statements about the president's guilt. Well, it sure sounds to me like they knew the president's hands were dirty. They just couldn't do anything about it. That they have the information, but because of Justice Department policy, there was no reason to push for criminal law because they can't force a trial on a sitting president. This really shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone who has long suspected Donald Trump of being a lowlife with a history of bullying his own contractors and buying his way out of any wrongdoing. His tweet on the matter from the special counsel was, there was insufficient evidence, and therefore, in our country, a person is innocent. We have such a low standard for the President of the United States. How low can the bar go for Mr. Trump to even proudly defend himself by that statement? There is no exoneration. It's not a verdict of innocence. It's the way organized crime figures explain away their actions, not the President of the United States. Think about it. If this were Obama or Bill Clinton, how many investigations, how many indictments, how many impeachment hearings would we have been through by now? And while we're on the topic of hypocrisy, let's talk about Mitch the hypocrite, Mitch McConnell, Kentucky senior senator who, among other things, pushed the Republican Party to the uncompromising far right by announcing that his number one goal was to not vote for any of President Obama's bills and further polarized U.S. politics by obstructing the president's choice of Merrick Garland to fill the Supreme Court seat vacated by the death of Antonin Scalia. Now the senator with the lowest approval ratings, told a friendly audience of supporters that his party would without a doubt fill a seat if it became open during the 2020 presidential election year. Don't forget, McConnell's wife is Elaine Cho. She's the transportation secretary under President Trump, and she's had ethical lapses of her own. This president believes he's above the law, and when you handpick your own attorney general, you can get away with whatever you want. What happens when you control the Senate and the Supreme Court? Can you do whatever you damn well please without concern of consequences? Can you ignore subpoenas to testify before Congress? Can you stonewall investigations and deny access to your staff without repercussions? The answer to all these questions appear to be yes as they pertain to the Trump administration. How are his supporters so staunchly in his corner? So if we just take a look at who some of these supporters are, maybe we'll get a better idea. Trump appeals to middle and lower income white men. And why is that? Jobs. White men with less than college degrees have seen their manual labor jobs diminish over the past 40 years, and no one was there to help them. 
not Republicans, not Democrats. Mr. Trump speaks directly to them. They came of age at a time when you didn't need a college education to get a good-paying job with benefits for the rest of your life and retire with a pension. Those days are long gone, and neither political party has successfully addressed their plight. Mr. Trump isn't doing really anything about it, but he's speaking their language. They're no longer the main breadwinners in the family. They've watched equality for every other segment of American society strip away their pride along with their paychecks. They blame the government for stacking the deck against them with immigration policies, with women in the workforce, women's rights, Me Too, and moving offshore industry while closing American factories. Every other segment of society can get ahead and protest what they consider to be wrongdoing. Every other segment of society except these white men who support Donald Trump. Let's continue in our pursuit to make America great again. This time we head to Mississippi, where an employee at a Mississippi campground was fired after pulling a gun on a black couple, having a picnic, and ordering them to leave the property. Jessica and Franklin Richardson said they've been looking for a place to enjoy the lake with their dog over the Memorial Day weekend. They searched online for a nearby Campgrounds of America location and decided to drive to the Starkville spot on Sunday. The Richardsons said they were told at the campground's front office that they didn't need a reservation to picnic by the lake. Minutes later, though, a white woman who identified herself as the property manager pulled up in a pickup truck, flashed a gun, and told them to leave. That's when Jessica pulled out her cell phone and recorded a video of the exchange that went viral after she posted it on her Facebook page. She said the lady literally just pulled a gun because we were out there and didn't have reservations for a lake that we didn't even know we had to have reservations for. A gray-haired woman wearing a yellow KOA shirt can be seen walking toward the couple with a gun in her right hand. A KOA staffer identified the woman as Ruby Howell. We didn't know, ma'am, Franklin could be heard saying. Howell then placed the gun in her pocket. Well, I'm just telling you, you need to leave because it's under private ownership. You can't be out here. Jessica said that's fine, and Franklin can be seen leading their dog off of the site. Campgrounds of America confirmed the incident in a statement and said it does not condone the use of a firearm in any manner on our properties. Make sure you check your valuables the next time you go through a TSA checkpoint at your favorite airport. Travelers left nearly $1 million in change at U.S. airport security checkpoints in 2018. The TSA says agents try to reunite lost items with owners, but pocket change is often unclaimed. Those funds totaled $960,105 last year. That's up almost $100,000 than the year before, or about an 11% increase. The nation's busiest airports collected the most. JFK in New York City, over 72,000. L.A. International Airport, over 71,000. Miami International Airport, over 50,000. And Chicago's O'Hare International Airport brought in $49,500 in loose change. The TSA said it plans to use your money for checkpoint training requirements. In 2005, Congress gave TSA permission to use unclaimed funds for civil aviation security, and in the past, it's been used for checkpoint maintenance, 
translation of signage into foreign language. <laughs> I bet you love that one. And TSA pre-check and adjudication center enhancement. What are Americans willing to tolerate? Well, it seems that at least their views are becoming more liberal. Many Americans consider birth control, alcohol, and divorce to be morally acceptable issues, while extramarital affairs, suicide, polygamy, and human cloning are mostly considered immoral, according to a new Gallup study. Americans have taken more liberal views on most behaviors since it first started asking the questions in the early 2000s. In the poll, birth control had almost universal acceptance at 92%, while acceptance for alcohol use was 79%, and divorce, 77%. 89% said extramarital affairs was morally wrong, 85% said the same about human cloning, and 79% said the same for suicide. Other issues also gaining acceptance include smoking pot. 65% now say that it's acceptable behavior. Having a baby outside marriage and embryonic stem cell research, both at 64% and 63% voiced acceptance for same-sex relationships. Some of you will think, well, it's 2019, maybe we're not in the Stone Ages anymore, while others may say it's the end of the world as we know it. Is it a sign of progress? You decide. Connecticut has become the latest state to hike its minimum wage, raising it to $15 per hour. Not so fast. The state legislature passed a bill to raise the hourly wage to $15 by 2023. The governor signed it. The state minimum wage will rise to $11 in October and step up to $15 over the next four years. Connecticut's minimum hourly wage is now $10.10 an hour. And you really have to ask yourself, is it helping? You see more kiosks in fast food restaurants where you order your own food on a touch screen. You go to the grocery store, you bag your own groceries, you check out your own groceries, you carry your own groceries to the car. Are we getting to the point where those service industry jobs are just going to disappear and it won't matter how high the wage is, artificial intelligence or AI is going to replace human workers. The Navy has petty officers, right? Well, the United States has a petty president. I hate to keep harping on this, but they just keep serving it up. The White House asked the U.S. Navy to make sure a warship named for the late Senator John McCain would be out of sight ahead of President Trump's visit to Japan over the weekend. This is according to an email obtained by the Wall Street Journal. The email dated May 15th included an outline of plans for the president's arrival, including instructions for the ship. USS John McCain needs to be out of sight. I got nothing to add to that. It's just so typical of this president. Mike Roman. Uh, we are here in Harrisburg for National uh, Pennsylvania Lobby Day. We're here to lobby the state representatives and our local, gov our state government on uh, issues concerning cruelty to animals. Kristen Tulo is with us. And Kristen, what is your title? Pennsylvania State Director with the Humane Society of the United States. Okay, so explain what this is all about. Today is my favorite day of the year. It is a day where advocates from all across the state come together to network, 
inspiration of just the different programs that we have back home locally and coming together to really advocate for key priority bills this legislative session. And what are those key bills? So the top bills that we're lobbying today is Victoria's Law, which is Pennsylvania's pet retail sales bill. And that will do two things. It will ban the sale of puppy mill dogs, cats and rabbits in pet stores unless they come from shelters or rescues. And it'll require anyone with a breeder's number to advertise that on any form of advertisement, including the internet. So that's our top bill that we're advocating for today. So what do the consumers not know about puppy mills? So right now our state has nine mills on the Horrible 100 report and this isn't a comprehensive list of all of the puppy mills in our state but it is important because we're tracking those for the purposes of warning the consumers about the inhumane conditions that exist at puppy mills. Those puppy mill dogs there are then sold in our pet stores. Responsible breeders are not selling to our pet stores and this legislation does not affect responsible breeders. And who would be responsible for the enforcement? So law enforcement would be responsible for enforcing anyone who would be violating the, the legislation once it's signed into law. And we're just asking, you know, our pet stores to really get behind this legislation and move towards that humane model. And we're already seeing that conversion. For example, there's a pet store in Harrisburg that's in partnership with the Humane Society of Harrisburg area, and they actually partner with the shelter to adopt out pets versus selling commercially raised animals. What are some of the other laws you're lobbying for today? We have one of my very favorite bills today is the Canine Outdoor Sheltering Standards. This bill will really enhance Libre's law that was signed into law in 2017. So right now there really aren't clear expectations around what would define suitable housing for a dog who lives outdoors. So this would create stipulations around what that housing would look like, really helping law enforcement and dog owners alike to know what that criteria is. As it stands now, Libre's law means that a dog cannot be tethered. Right. So a dog cannot be tethered in temperatures above 32, below 32 degrees or above 90 degrees. Um, but they can be outside untethered if they have access to adequate shelter that allows them to maintain normal body temperature and keeps the animal dry. But that's not a lot of stipulation, and this bill would actually create the criteria around what is going to help keep a pet's body temperature and allow them to stay dry. What kind of support do you have in state government? We are, I will tell you, with the legislation this session, we have seen a real increase in our number of co-sponsorships. For example, on Victoria's Law, there are 26 co-sponsors. Bipartisan supported bill, really phenomenal to see no matter which side you come from, Republican, Democrat, the animal issue is one issue we can all get behind. Tell me about uh, live pigeon shoots in Pennsylvania and uh, where does our state rank? Yeah, so that is another major bill that we're advocating for um, and we'll continue to fight for. We are one of only, the only states that openly, legally hold live pigeon shoots. We would actually say under our cruelty laws that the byproduct of the shoot are illegal. For example, a, a wounded bird that's flying off and suffering for days, that would constitute cruelty under our current laws. But until there's an explicit law that outlaws
cause these cruel, inhumane contests, it still remains a gray area. So that's why we need a bill that bans live pigeon shoots altogether. And again, support in the legislature? Yes, we actually had a vote. Our last vote on the bill was in the 2014-15 legislative session, I think around that time, passed the Senate 36 to 12. That is a massive margin. So we know that we would have the votes. We just need to get support from the House to make sure that that bill is brought up for a vote, a fair vote there. There are a lot of rural communities in Pennsylvania, so that means a lot of rural representation. Do they uh, get pushback from their constituents? You know, interestingly enough, most sportsmen are in favor of ending live pigeon shoots. You know, they'll tell you that that's not hunting, it's not sportsmanlike activity, and um, and we really do get a lot of support from members of that community. So I think we just need to come together as one voice on a united front and advocate for that together, and, and we can get it done. Okay, it's getting to be uh, well. Springtime, summer will be here. Traveling circuses will be making yeah. their way around yeah. the country. Yeah. There's another amendment you're looking for. Another yeah. law. Yeah. So in Pennsylvania, um, you know, we know that animals are not meant to be kept in a cage. This bill would ban traveling animal acts in our state, and something that we are. It is a pervasive issue. So we're very thankful to Representative Melissa Schusterman who introduced this bill in the House. Okay. And again, uh, it seemed as though wasn't it Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey, who uh, banned, uh, pretty much shut down the circus because of this. What other concerns yeah. do you have? Yeah, and actually, um, Pittsburgh enacted an ordinance that banned the use of the bullhook, which was the first of our kind in our state to have an ordinance like that locally. And so we do see support in the state. I think you're really starting to see, especially from the younger generations who are saying, I, I don't want to see that. We have too much with new entertainment. You have human performances that people love to do, like the Cirque du Soleil type of um, events. So really, this is a well-supported bill, and I think that this one really has a shot in this session. So it sounds like you have a full plate here in Harrisburg yeah. today. <laughs> yeah. What are your hopes, and how quickly do you think some of these measures can pass? Yeah, I think that right now our top priority bill is Victoria's Law. We feel that it does have the, the most support, and the groundwork was laid last session, so legislators are very familiar with this bill. And so now that they are a, a bit more comfortable with what this bill does and we have key partners coming together, uh, this really seems to be the one that we have the most traction and we'll continue working, of course, on all of these different priority bills and, and we will get them done. And I'm just proud of Pennsylvania. We moved up to, in our state rankings, by 21 states in uh, the last four years. So we're within the reach of being the top 10 states for our humane laws. And we're going to keep this fight up, giving a voice to the voiceless until we reach number one. And how can people support you? Contact your legislators. That is the most powerful thing that an advocate can do, is to ask their legislators, their state senator, and their state representative to support pro-animal legislation. Kirsten, thank you. Thank you. This is Mike Romai. Thank you for listening to the Live Mike podcast on the Social Voice Project. Like, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast app.